I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Oh, hello, Sarah. Oh, I was just I was just dancing into the podcast, but I guess listeners can't see that. Can't, can't see you boogieing? Or should I say aloha? Do you have a little, you know, Ooh. a little boogie? Wait, it's not a boogie. Little hula? A little hula. I'm a sorry. little hula for you? <laughs> yes. Remember? Okay. One year. So... We had, how many years did we do the Iron Women live coverage? It was def, I definitely danced the hula with you. Yes, you did. Yes. Yes. We had a great time. 2019, baby. Yes. So like, like 2018, 2018, 2018, because 2019, we had the pineapple challenge when we were, so for the, for our, for our listeners, (laughs) for, for the live coverage that we've done in the past with Feisty Media at Kona. We've interviewed, tried to, we've made a goal of interviewing all the pro women, right? And then the last year we did the pineapple challenge with them, which is like, which was like doing squats with the pineapple on your head, uh, like as an intro to the show. And as like to get people like competitive, which some people hilariously were like, what's the record? I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) A German woman just like kept going. We had to stop her because we were like, this is not good. This is not fun live TV. Like... (laughs) Anyway, all of that to say the year before that, Ashley and I actually took a hula lesson. Like we like went, took a hula lesson so that we would know how to teach hula. Actually, now I'm exaggerating. We didn't take a hula lesson. We bumped into someone who teaches hula and asked her to teach us hula. (laughs) And she taught us hula, how to do it properly. And then, well, I can't do it properly. Oh, yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and then we were teaching everyone to do hula. And then Sarah, by the time you, when you came on, you had come with like a pre-choreographed hula routine idea. I, you remember? No, it was not pre- pre-choreographed. It was in the moment, improvised. We had a hula entrance that I came up with on the spot. Give me more credit than that, Sarah. Okay, I was okay. like in my hotel room, like practicing. Oh, I can't wait for this interview because I'm going to hula my way on. I'm, okay. I'm not suggesting you were like tossing and turning and like losing sleepover. How you were going to do the hula. But, and you wouldn't be the first person because Lauren Brandon practiced the, um, wh- what do you call that dance that we did in Texas? It's like a two-step thing. I don't know. Okay. Whatever that was, she like practice at home. Wow. (laughs) Like, so you would not have been the first person. So yeah, I'm not saying, but what I was trying to say was that you like had your own ideas. You brought your own ideas to the table as we were recording where most people, like they didn't have any clue and we had to show them how to hula and they were a little bit like, why? And I'm not going to be good at this, but you were like, no, you owned it. You were like, I, I had fun. And that's why we have a podcast together. 
I think right. it all, that was like the inception point. Like right. we were going to get along. <laughs> I was down Clearly. with your hula. <laughs> you were down with a hula. I was very impressed with, <laughs> with, with, with your hula ideas. Um, anyway, sorry. Whoa, that was way off. Anyway, <laughs> standard. I'm like, what were we talking about? Where are we? What are we supposed to be doing? Oh, yes. So I am in Kona for a week of solo holiday time, which I am enjoying very much. Yeah, I I love that you decided, okay, it's it's familiar to go to Kona. Why not? Mm-hmm. It's this is not a work trip. This is a recharge, regenerate, uh, minus this podcast and one other meeting that you had today. Yeah. To be clear, it's a sort of a headspace work trip. Okay. So like, yeah. So I was like, you know, I actually, it's funny. Cause I've, it's actually totally worked. Like I thought I needed, cause at home, what happens is first of all, like I have a kid, I have a new house, which is still sort of halfway. Like I sometimes spend the evenings, like putting up pictures on the wall and stuff like that. Right. I, and then you have a house, so you have to clean it and shit like that if you're at home. <laughs> and then also like, I have an office with people in there and I have, which is fantastic and fun. Um, and I have tons of meetings and yada, yada, yada. So I was like, I'm not getting enough headspace to like make some business decisions. Um, and it's totally worked. Like I've got every morning I kind of wake up, I'm like, Oh yeah. And I have these like little realizations. Um, and one of the most important ones is that like what I thought was my business problem is not actually my business problem. Um, and I think I have probably the same business problem. Like people probably could relate to this as m- most people right now is that like, like we going into COVID, we were still like, we were very startupy. Right. And so, and we like innovated very quickly and easily because we were like, we created like these online programs, right? Like the feisty team all online. We, um, we were selling like online courses for Stacey Sims. We were like, we did virtual events. Right. And like, now we've sort of seen moving forward. I'm like, Oh, that might not work. Right. So all of the things that we created probably have to shift a little bit and change. So there's like innovation needed, which is true. I think in business always, but maybe a little extra right now. And then additionally, like we're in an economic downturn. Um, so I'm like, okay, like how it's really important that we're like, we, that the products we create are actually like solving problems for the folks in our community, you know? Right. And so, you know, it, it's just like sort of figuring out those things. Um, so that's been kind of what I've been trying to work my way through. Yeah. Fi- figure out how to pivot with what you've created. Um, mm-hmm. man. So can you expenses trip since you're doing work? I, I actually didn't. Ah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I could have, I could have technically, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but then I was like, I don't know. I just kind of felt weird about it. Like I felt weird about like going to Hawaii, like on the company money, like when yeah, right. like, my whole team would have happily <laughs> gone to Hawaii <laughs> because they need headspace. Like it just felt a little weird. I need headspace. I need to go. So, so I actually paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> But, I'm only you know, half joking. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, I probably could. Because you're doing work even though you're on vacation, but it mm-hmm. sounds like it's productive. Well, have have a poke bowl for me. Oh, I will. I already have. And I will have another from, from the Poke Shack. I don't I haven't been there. Because it's it a little far. Exists. If it, I would walk up there though. So. Okay. 
All right. I might actually, I might actually do that tomorrow. That's a great idea. What I've been doing, what I've been loving doing is like, there's, there's a lot of people here right now because people started to travel again. And so it's quite busy. It's busier than I expected. And there's a lot of triathletes here, which is really weird. Um, <laughs> but I, there's like huge lineups at Lava Java. Um, and so I just like order, I like, I figured it out, like order online. And then I walk right past this huge line of people and I get my food and I walk out of there. Nice work. So yeah, it's the little things. <laughs> Man, that, that was quite an intro, huh? <laughs> There's our podcast all in and the And there intro. it is. <laughs> so far, everyone has learned nothing. Okay, coming up on the show, we are going to talk about some triathlon related things. Um, we're going to he- get a Hawk update. We're going to talk about the cost of coaching, having house guests, guests while training and our latest feisty project. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside inside tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts. So you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, 
Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. So Sarah, I asked you before the show and I just wanted to, because we haven't talked, we haven't done like a Hawk update lately and I hadn't heard. And then I suddenly re- had this realization that he's like 10 months old already. Like, wow. Is he like moving around a lot? Oh yeah. So I weighed him the other day and he is, he's basically tripled in size, which is just <laughs> kind of mind blowing to, to wrap your head around. Like in 10 months to triple in size, that's, that is amazing. Um, yeah, so he's super fun. He said his first word the other day, uh, which is dog. And Ooh. he just repeats dog over and over again. Uh, Does he do it appropriately? Like, is he looking yes. at, sorry, for yeah. Buddy? Is he like, looks at Buddy and says dog? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we actually had a debate in the household because uh, I was petting Buddy uh, last week and I said, good boy. And Hawk very clearly said, good boy, right after me. But Ben said, it doesn't count because he was parroting you. Like he needs to say a word independently of what people around him are saying. I'm like, okay, I count that because it was very clear. Like no question. He said, good boy. And so, okay, we'll, we'll see what his first real word is. But uh, he was at my parents' house and he wanted to see their dog and just kept on saying dog, dog, dog until he could see her. Um, so that's, Oh, first. wow. That's definitely inappropriate. Like he, he was indicating yeah. what he wanted. Oh my gosh. Is he's 10 months early for a first word? I don't know. Probably not. No, I, actually. Yeah. I think about it. Like that's when Rosie, remember I th- said about how like Rosie would say Spanish words. She was yeah. about 11 months. We were in Tucson. She'd be like, are you hungry? See? Yeah. She had about five words or so then so cute yeah mm-hmm. I love that um yeah but he's he's really fun he's crawling around he's just pretty much he goes to like a hundred and then he crashes which is great because he sleeps really well he eats mm. a ton um mm-hmm. I am not looking forward to when he starts walking which is gonna probably happen before too long very he's, soon oh my gosh he's already a handful yeah yeah. Do you feel any pressure as like, you know, a, an athlete, a, a couple of two elite athletes, like, do you feel like there's some pressure for your son to be like physically capable? Uh, no, I think I want him to enjoy being active. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't care if he's a good athlete. Yeah. Right. But even in this short, like I know people made a lot of comments, like even literally the day that I gave birth to Rosie, the nurses and doctors were like, oh, triathletes legs, <laughs> because she was like, she had these like strong <laughs> legs. <laughs> and I, was like, I don't think that correlates at this moment. I mean, they're of course not actually serious about the correlation, but do you get comments like that? Oh yeah. 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 So one of, one of his babysitters is our nanny. I don't know what she is. Um, she she's convinced that like he is super active because we're really active. Um, I don't know. And she's just convinced that he's he's a natural athlete. She also thinks that he's going to be a bit of a bro. 
<laughs> I'm like, whoa, are you extrapolating that far? Like, <laughs> he's going to be a bit of a pro. Like today she said he was going to be a beer drinker, not a wine drinker. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like all, like all toddlers, regardless of gender, even are like a kind of bros. Like they no, kind of like the way they walk around is like, do, 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 do. yeah. And they and like, like kind of grunt and like, Rah. <laughs> he headbutts things. And yeah, like, I said they yeah. headbutt things. Yeah, that's just part of the that's just part of the process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hilarious. Um, okay, you you mentioned the cost of coaching. I think that's a really interesting topic because triathlon is such a unique. Well, I think it's unique in terms of like the the relatively high cost of coaching. But what what were your thoughts? Yes, so it's been really eye opening to me. Um, this is relevant because Ben was talking about it last night. He he coaches a few people who've reached out, uh, but he's noticed that runners are super cheap. <laughs> and I find this fascinating because I know in triathlon, like I've heard of coaches charging like $1,500 per month, mm-hmm. um, which seems exorbitant to me, but by comparison to so running, uh, he's had a, people reach out to him. And he says $200 a month and they run away. They're like, oh, no, no, that is way too much money. So like he has a couple of people that negotiated like a 16 week program for $200. But like (laughs) he's on the phone with them. He's answering emails. He's writing a customized training program for them. And like, so basically $50 a month. Um, And like, we broke it down what that is per hour for, I mean, he ends up doing like, you know, what's his time actually worth? He's, he's worth more than say $10 an hour um, with this level of expertise. But it's so fascinating to me because just think about triathlon. If somebody was like, oh no, $200 a month. Oh no. No. Imagine you. Okay. So, so Ben, like effectively like the fourth best 10 K runner in the U S you could argue that is that would that be fair he's pretty nasty like he's he's a very good you know well-established professional runner yeah so imagine approaching the fourth best triathlete in the world and being like two hundred dollars for a 16-week program well that's insane i'm a little outraged as a coach like it's (laughs) right i mean these are people who are approaching him like Mm. asking for coaching that's what I mean. Like, imagine going to someone and being like, oh, but I'll only pay $200 for the entire program. Like for what? For four months. Yeah. Yeah. That's because $200 already seems kind of cheap to me, especially I find like elite athletes are used. This is what like my experience is like elite athletes are used to being coached as elite athletes and, and will often coach others like in a way that sometimes actually I had to learn myself. Like sometimes it's just freaking overkill. Like if someone's training 10 to 12 hours a week and they just need the program and they just follow it and it's fine. And they want to be like independent and they don't want to, all of their emotional needs to be discussed during the course of going, that's fine. Right. Like, um, whereas like, you know, my instinct, and I think a lot of elite athletes instinct is to coach people properly, like really to like help them understand their nutrition and like aspects, certain aspects of their performance psychology and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I have no doubt that like Ben's putting in his a effort. Oh yeah. No, when 100%. So it's, it's just, I'm sure that you've heard stories of other, you know, coaches, well, coaches in triathlon 
charging a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. But apparently that doesn't happen in running. I think in part because um, there are a lot of cookie cutter programs online. Mm -hmm. So people Mm -hmm. are like, oh, I could buy a cookie cutter program for $50. And then it's like a 16 weeks to your to your marathon. And yeah, I'm sure that there's something, there are things like that for triathlon as well, but because we realize triathlon is just more complex because there are three sports, we're willing to pay for customized training. Whereas I think in running and there's just not that mindset that like you need a tailored program and that tailoring that program can't be that hard because there's only one sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How hard could it be? <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it is, it's just as hard. It's, of it's course. figuring out yeah. somebody's energy demands and, you know, catering to the individual. But uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, I, I think too, and maybe this is like too much too, uh, maybe I'm going too far here, but like, I feel like running is kind of steeped in like the history of amateurism with sports and the Olympic movement, you know, because like running has that kind of rich history and it sometimes takes like a long time to get, because of course, if the athletes at one point were considered amateurs and et cetera, then of course the coaches also had to be amateurs. Right. And so I feel like that, that being paid to run and being paid to coach running kind of like is, it's still kind of like in that middle ground, we haven't fully, fully come to like a professional sport. Right. Whereas like triathlon just like landed on the ground, didn't give a shit, like (laughs) was like sort of an amateur for half a second before people started to like, you know, try to make money in the sport. I I don't know. I just keep on hearing like that runners are cheapskates where (laughs) no, totally. Like Mm -hmm. in triathlon, we're used to paying a lot of money for stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's important to us and we love our sport. We realize it's not cheap, but, uh, just across the industry, like, you know, it's really expensive. You think about, okay, what is the most expensive piece of equipment a runner buys and it's their shoes. And now with like the vapor flies, you know, you're talking about a few hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a triathlete, like $300. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's not like a 10 grand for a bike. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really, I guess if you scale it, you're like, okay, well, I'm willing to pay like $2,000 a month for coaching um, Mm -hmm. because you're used to buying like a brand new bike every year. Then like the the runner equivalent is going to be, yeah, $50 a month. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hmm. I don't like, yes and no. Cause I feel like there's certain products that are like accepted in triathlon that we're spending money on like bikes, right. Or like arrow helmets, disc wheels and coaches, like coaches are like, they, they sort of like shift into like we accept, because I also think it's like sometimes hard, like triathletes are also cheap. You think sometimes? Yeah. Oh. Like for people who are like, you know, for people who are clearly like you know, everyone's making six figures, right? In triathlon, at least that like combined household incomes, like, you know, it's quite high. It's like over 200,000 combined household incomes. This is like from five years ago too. Right. Right. So like those stats, I remember them when I was putting together some, um, decks for potential sponsors. Like, you know, you're trying to show the demographic. It was like the average income of a triathlon household was something like 225 K or something. And so like that, like, like they're like accepting, like, I'm going to spend this much money on these things, but like still cheap on 
some things like potentially where they're staying in a hotel or like, I've just seen triathletes be cheap or come to me, like apply for scholarships to programs when they don't really need a scholarship, <laughs> like, or, you know, like I've just, or like not want to spend money on certain things basically. You know, that's, um, yeah. But it, I mean, it's the same thing. Like if you can get a discount here, then like you feel better about it. I mean, I, I get made fun of, because I am such a sucker at the grocery store for sales. <laughs> I, I had to buy that pasta sauce because it was on sale. It basically was free. And Ben's like, oh my gosh, every time. I'm like, I, <laughs> the sale just makes me feel good. So yeah, triathletes like discounts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish I had more of that. Like I literally like just switch off and buy what the food that I want in the grocery store. Yeah, like, I mostly do that, but I, I, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I wanted applesauce, but apparently I do because it's on sale. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that like, like what do you call it? Like a little, I don't get any endorphin boost from like saving money. Maybe if I saved a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, but like the ten cents off the applesauce is not going to do it for me. I, I don't know. It just, it, it just makes it a little bit more fun for me to buy. Yeah. yeah. I think most people are like you. And so they should be like, yeah, I should have more of that. It, you know, it would probably save me like hundreds or thousands of dollars over the course of a year. No, because I, <laughs> I'm happy to buy like, you know, 10 pounds, $10 worth of peanut butter and not think twice about it. Cause peanut, like the fresh ground peanut butter out of the grinder, that's never on sale, but yeah, if I can get like 50 cents off of like canned tomatoes, then I'm going to get those canned tomatoes. <laughs> Do you end up throwing stuff out? No. no. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 Solid. Uh, that being said, I still have like 50 pounds of chickpea flour in the basement. Oh, yeah, the chickpea flour. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I should have revisited that with it. <laughs> You've not been able to make enough chickpea baking. <laughs> I'm chipping away at it. Okay. <laughs> That's a goal. That could be your goal for 2022. Just oh, like, sure. like use all the chickpea flour. <laughs> it's really the dehydrated vegetables I have not cracked into. Like I don't, yeah, that was a bad purchase. So I made a similar mistake one year for Christmas. I asked for a dehydrator thinking that I was going to make like all these veggie chips and fruit chips and stuff and eat them. I never, I didn't use it once, not a single time. <laughs> not even to dry it out. No. <laughs> and, then, and then I made a big deal out of it because, you know, when I moved out, like Clint didn't want me to go into the house to get my stuff and he wanted sh- to bring it to me. I was like, make sure you bring me my dehydrator. <laughs> <laughs> that you never used. Do you still have it? I don't know where it is. Oh, I think no. it probably, I don't know. It's probably in storage somewhere. Oh my gosh. With your, with your sock hats? Along with the sock hats. Yes. <laughs> I just, I need to leave interesting stuff, you know, for my grandkids to go through when I pass. Your, so. your legacy. The brand yeah. new dehydrator. <laughs> think we still got like the packaging. Okay. <laughs> so Sarah, I hear you had some house guests. 
Oh, how's that for a pivot? I love it. I know. Uh, like- <laughs> oh, yeah. So I had I had a couple of friends come up with their son. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see people. I don't know if, if other athletes have this problem. Um, but, like, I struggle with, okay, they're coming Saturday and Sunday. I have, like, five, six-hour days, both days for training. Um, and like, I, I don't want to do a lot in between, mm-hmm. you know, like I try to be a good hostess, but I just, I think the expectations are we're going to go on these adventures and do all these fun things. And I'm like, it's still a work day for me. Um, mm. but I like, this is something that we've always struggled with, like visiting family, for example, you know, there's this thought that we're going to go on these long hikes and like go sailing and paddling and, you know, have all these fun times. And it's like, no, I, I have to go for a bike ride. You know, I have to go swimming. I'm sorry that I'm so lame. And then kind of in between, I just kind of lie around and eat and sleep. And that's mm-hmm. about it. Uh, I don't know how people manage, like at some point in my life, I will be more flexible. Um, but I think this is a, probably a pretty common problem for anybody who's training, yeah. Uh, yeah. trying to, it's easier for me because I can explain that it's my job. And I think people kind of get that, but if you are a serious amateur athlete mm. and you have people staying at your house and you're like, you know, I have a four hour bike on the schedule. Um, like, is that, is that hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around? Like their their house guests because I have a problem with people ha- wrapping their heads around it and it's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how where does Ben land on this stuff? Like, is he also like does he like to go out and gallivant around? Oh no, 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 no! He's the worst host <laughs> in the world because he's like, I only have energy to go out and run and then lounge on the couch, yes. and he can be pleasant for a few minutes and then he just like retreats. I'm right. like, okay, so now uh, I have to be the hostess. I need to be like the fun, engaging one to kind of, you know, represent for the two of us um, mm-hmm. and make people not feel unwelcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he's, he's an extreme, like he's a cheetah run fast and then lie around on the Savannah. That's so interesting. So I, okay. As a post elite athlete where it's not my job anymore, although I yeah. do actually have a job. Right. right. So that, so that would be my job then when the house guests come, whatever, but also just, add, I'm not someone who wants to go and do all the things, mm. you know, like if someone comes to visit, I definitely want to see them and hang out with them because they're a visitor. So presumably there's some kind of relationship there. Right. But like, I just want to like do the things that I want to do too. Right. So like, it's, it's a thing about picking your house. Like if my bestie Karen comes to stay, like we're like on the same page, like we want to do the same things. Like we might actually go swimming together. Right. And then we'll go have a coffee or like brunch. Right. Or we might like drink a glass of wine in the evening. Not a lot of like running around doing stuff. Um, and the other thing I have found to be quite effective is like giving people the heads up ahead of time. Right. Like, it's like, well, you know, you're, you're welcome to come stay, but definitely like, you know, you can take care of yourself and, and making people feel comfortable too. Like just like going through your cupboards and getting food for themselves or like just coming and going as if it's a hotel. Like I'm totally cool with that. 
Yeah. Right. Like take care of yourself. Like just do whatever you need to do. It's fine. And if you want to hang out, we can like plan some stuff that we both want to do. That's my attitude. Yeah. I guess I think you're right. It probably depends on what their expectations are and setting those expectations really, really low. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. You will probably see me around mealtimes. I will not be very talkative. Uh, And then I'll probably go to bed within half an hour of dinner. Um, I won't be drinking and having fun, but you're welcome to hang out in my house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe you'll see me a couple hours. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then if, and then if I am like slightly more pleasant than that. Yes. Then it goes up from there. Yes. I just feel like a a bad, you know, family member, bad friends, because like, there are just these expectations that, you know, we're going to have quality time. And for me, quality time is like, you know, very minimal. Yes. Uh, Sarah, I've been a bad family member my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) It started, I, I swear, it started with like childhood vacations you know, we go on family vacations. Like I have these pictures. We have pictures of like trundling around Europe or like Quebec, <laughs> you, know, you know, with like, the, I'm just thinking, oh, I remember that. That was so boring. Like, you know, I was just like waiting to be like, when can we have ice cream? Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I just like, I definitely have, I would have more of an appreciation of going somewhere and seeing things now as an adult, you know? But I think, especially like as a kid, I was just like, this, I don't want to, I just don't want to go to a museum. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm digging myself into a hole here. Hopefully no one in my family's listening, but like, I, I just found it so boring. If I'm going to go to a museum, I want to go with someone who's going to like discuss the art with me. Mm, yeah. Like who brings a little bit and not, not, not that my family doesn't like whatever, but like, you know, I don't just want to go around for the sake of it. Yeah, I think I feel like that's how most people do vacations to new places, though. Like you have the checklist and it's things that you feel like you're supposed to do. Right. Like, yeah, you know, you're in Paris. You have to go to the Louvre. I guess does, so. does it matter if you really want to go? No, but you feel like you have to. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good way to have a vacation. No, no. Yeah. Well, OK, so I didn't really solve anything other than it, just have very low expectations set out for house guests. Okay. Yes. I'd love to hear from any of our listeners on this. Cause I feel like, like we just set the bar so low, like they could make us look bad. Like they could look better than us easily. I, it would definitely be easier if uh, like they were coming up for like a training camp kind of weekend, mm. or I could drag along these friends on bikes or swims or runs and then it'd be super fun for me to have company but I guess that's part of it is you know if you don't have those shared active interests it does make it harder when you're like oh sorry gotta go out for like you know 14 mile run (laughs) yeah or like why the person's coming in the first place so like the week before I came to Hawaii um Catherine on my team she lives in Tacoma came up and stayed with me. And it was like, I had a, I had a lot going on that week, honestly, but it was like a no brainer for me. And I even said this to her at the time, like, thank you for being the most, the easiest house guest ever, 
you know, because like we had work to do some of it together, some of it with like separately with the team. And then, and she just like got on with it. You know, she came to CrossFit with me one day, but on the other days she just took her dog out for a walk and got her own exercise and did all her things and did her shopping. And like, (laughs) it was fantastic. So perfect house guest right there. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Let's take a break. And then we're going to talk about um, your interview. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, Iron Women 1515 at orca.com. So Sarah, you are interviewing. Okay, let me get let me get her name right. Because I want to call her Joan Benoit, but apparently I've been told she goes by Joni Benoit Samuelson. Yeah. So she's Joan or Joni. Um, I'm really excited about this. So this is for the Title IX series. What's the official name of the Title IX series? I feel like it's called Nine Voices for Title IX. Nine Voices for Title IX. So this is one of the nine. Um, What makes this fun, especially fun, is that Joni is a Maina. So she's from Maine. And (laughs) I was like, oh, what? (laughs) Well, if you're from Maine, that's the Maine accent, I guess. That's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, And she grew up knowing Ben quite well. Um, Mm -hmm. She lives down the street from my in-laws, you know, has they they hang out and like go on bike rides and stuff. Um, Yeah. So it's it's like when I go and visit the in-laws, I'll run by her house. And if they're outside, I wave kind of thing. But being able to talk to her with it, just knowing, like, obviously I grew up knowing who she was, total legend of distance, American distance running. So am I right? She was the, like, she was the Olympic champion in the first women, the first year that we had the women's marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just total, just total running badass. Um, Mm -hmm. And just funny, like, because that's the first thing I knew of her. And now I just know of her as kind of the gardening neighbor of my in-laws, you know, who is just kind of quiet and unassuming and awesome. Um, who's family friends, you know, so it's, it's going to be really fun to kind of let the two things combine. And see. Yeah. I'm, I, I hope she has some good stories. I'm sure she does. You know, those, those Mainers, they're, they're not super talkative, but I'll try to get her, you know, you can, I'm sure you can pry her <laughs> some good stuff out of her. Okay. First of all, how old is Joan now? 
Oh, good question. Uh, ben would know off the top of his head. Miss- it was like 1984. Yeah. So right, when that Olympic first Olympics in her sixties. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then my next question is, did it affect you at all? Like having, so when you were a kid, you were a kid. Mm. Uh, well, I, I definitely knew who she was. Yeah. So just how old were you when you met her? Oh, I was grown up. I mean, it was when I met oh, okay. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, long okay. after. Yeah. I never met her before. Um, I just knew of her as this total icon in the sport. Yeah. Sometimes having that, like, you know, one degree of separation from like someone who has been so, who has excelled so much, like helps us excel mm-hmm. too, you know? Um, but we're, you were already like an established pro athlete though. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So I think, I think that probably might have been the case for Ben, whereas, you know, he was this family friend and she was kind of a cheerleader in his corner. Um, mm. Yeah. Just that's cool. Like possibilities open up a bit more for how you see yourself in the world. If you, yes. you know, yeah, if you if you have somebody as a role model, albeit indirectly, because you know she had retired by that point. Yeah. If you know yeah. a champion, yeah, you're way more likely to become a champion because you're like, oh, that person's a regular person like me, right? Right. right. Just on a basic level. It also happens with like, I've seen it happen in triathlon squads too. Like success begets success. Mm-hmm. Right. Like once the person, the person who swims beside you in the at swim practice wins something, you're like, Oh, hells, if they could do it. I could do it too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, a little nervous though. Cause I'm always, I'm always a little intimidated talking to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm stoked. Okay. So we're, so this, this series that we're doing, there's nine episodes and we like brought together like all the hosts for feisty. We let people self-select in basically. So seven of our podcast hosts are doing interviews. I did two, Celine did two and everyone else did one. Um, and Celine and I are recording like intros and outros for like all of the episodes. So like, I'm super stoked just to like, I know the two interviews I did. One was Bobby Gibb who ran Boston the year before we, I, we talked about this. I raved on about it. Sorry. Um, I will give the listeners a break on that. And then the other one was, um, Janet Cohn, who's been, who's like, she's 70 now, but she's been an athletic director, um, for most of her career. She was a college basketball coach before women were college basketball coaches. Um, and she was a basketball player herself. Uh, so I, she, she was cool too. Like just hearing, I loved hearing like their, their stories in real time. Like they've seen so much change in women's sports, um, both of them and their stories were completely different. So, um, yeah, hopefully jo- Joni will bring the goods too. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be fun because she's been involved with, um, with, she was involved with Nike during her athletic career, but she continues to be involved with them. So she has been, you know, running marathons, you know, for decades, still is running marathons, mm. still you know, like gets to rub elbows with uh, female professionals now and gets to know them and seeing both from the inside and the outside at the same time, mm-hmm. how women's sport ha- has changed. That's so cool. Do you think you'll still do triathlons when you're in your sixties? <laughs> I don't know. I can't say no. Right. I mean, I, I love, I love the sport. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, but there are also other fun sports I want to try. So I, I can't say no. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
We can do the super sprint together, Sarah. Well, we're going to do a relay, right? Yeah. When we're in our sixties. Well, you know, it's like, it's like on teams. Yes. No. Cause we talked about it. We have to do our Ironman together where we like walk through the eight stations, eat, eat, eat the snacks and drink the chicken broth. We already promised each other. We're going to do it. Can we do, we're going to do it together. So like we get to swim together and bike together. I get to draft off you in the swim. Sure. Oh, I'm totally in for this. And then we can chat for like however long the bike ride takes, which like, can we take six hours? Like, would that be okay? We could just, we, like... we could take 10 hours. Okay. Whatever. Perfect. Yeah. All right. All right. We're not drafting off each other on that though. Cause I don't want to get no. any We're, penalties. We have to, we have to chat. How, you know, f- you know, further back, like, I don't know if it's changed at all, but like, I know I've been out there like <laughs> observing Ironman Canada. It's like not even people, like once you get you have the people who like end up in draft packs who are like, they a little bit kind of know that they're cheating during Ironman and people rolling around. There's too many people out there all at the same time in the same space. Like it's, it's ridiculous. We've talked about it before, but like, then then you go further back than that. Like people do do that. They like find a buddy and they chat and that's how they do the They do the Ironman. Oh, like, just social riding. And there's some, there's some of that that goes on. I and the officials are like, we don't care. Well, they're not cheating. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> not intending to cheat. Right. They're of just course. Like not. having a chit chat out there on the course. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so hopefully. We'll we'll record the world's longest if we were riding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do this. We could get like media passes so that we're like so that like the officials don't think we're trying to we're trying to cheat by talking to each other on the bike. <laughs> Oh man. Cool. Well, okay. Well that also went off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we have to, we have to save some, uh, some f- talking for our, my word. I can't even think, how are we going to go through an Ironman bike chatting the whole time? Sarah has lost it. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Anyway. This is another week of me if we're riding. Sarah has lost it. The other Sarah's on the way. It's all good. Until next week, thank you for listening. <laughs> my time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.